welcome to Pew Talks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pew Talks. I'm Paras Arora, and I'll be hosting this podcast series by QDesk, a one-on-one chat with industry's top professionals who are shaping and building flexible workspace ecosystem. I was really looking forward to have this semi-formal chat with Sam Marks. Sam is our guest today, and Sam is founder CEO at Coworker.com. Sam is also an avid investor. He has love for startup ecosystem. He has invested in many startups and uh, hosted a talk show. So, Sam, really looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Paris. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Great. So, my first question to you would be. What really inspired you to be an entrepreneur and in fact, to be in co-working aggregation? I guess that question kind of runs back to my early days. It was really my parents that inspired me to be an entrepreneur. Growing up, they had owned a small furniture store in the USA and I always really valued the amount of time uh, that they were able to have with us as kids and also just the flexibility of schedule. And while a lot of my friends growing up had considerably more than my parents and and our family, they a lot of times had corporate jobs and they didn't ever get the chance to spend that much time as a family together. I think so. I think from a, from a very early age, I was always valuing uh, time much more than money. And I felt that the best way to create the most time in life was through entrepreneurship and having my own business. Um, and that, that kind of catapulted me in the college days into entrepreneurship, eventually into to where we're at today, which is starting a, a, a co-working space. And a little bit of the background there was we had a business that was in, in the UK back in, that we sold in 2013, and I had to go over to China uh, to finish up some manufacturing. And while I was in China, I, I frequented Hong Kong quite a bit. And I went into my first co-working space in 2014 and just realized how transformative this what would be in my life place to go um, while I was in between new, starting new companies to kind of go and be with a community and a network and have a little bit more of that interpersonal relationships that I, I didn't get when I was working from home or a coffee shop. And um, after being there for a week, I knew I wanted to build a business that had something to do with supporting the growth of co-working. And that's what uh, led us into founding coworker.com. Wow. I find it very nice uh, when you linked it with your upbringing. I mean, there is a lesson here. Uh, if you have that kind of a culture within the family and you can foster the whole entrepreneurship at a very nascent and formative years, I think uh, that's, that's a great learning and lesson. I have kids, so... I think I take that uh, because entrepreneurship, according to me, is not something can be taught. You develop that knack. And uh, similar uh, you know, inspiration, as far as I'm concerned, when I took this plunge to start something, we used to have these rounds in coffee shops and I found them very, very distracting. And that was like, you know, probably a kind of a seed uh, in the mind to do something where people can productively work, but still not have office space. Or a, mm. or a rigid traditional office space. Great. Uh, for, you know, audience understanding, I just wanted to have a glimpse into your business model. 
What is coworker.com? So Cowork is a global marketplace for co-working spaces. We currently operate in 2,600 markets around the world, 174 countries, and we're just about to cross 15,000 co-working spaces. Uh, we also have a product called Global Pass, which is our membership pass product. So it'll allow you to access via just dropping in to a co-working space in 110 different countries now. So over 1,600 spaces, you can literally just drop in through our, our Global Pass product. But I just want to touch on a couple of the top markets that we have at, at Coworker. So India is actually number one. So it's number one in terms of demand, but number two in terms of supply only behind the USA. And then other top markets include USA, UK, Malaysia, Canada's number five, and then Germany, Australia, Vietnam are, are all kind of in, the, in that top 10. So it's really interesting looking at the global scale and different markets around the globe and how they stack up because you have a lot of a lot of markets that a lot of people wouldn't typically consider to be uh, top co-working markets that w we see as top co-working markets um, mm -hmm. at coworker.com. Uh, but India's got a tr some tremendous driving forces that are really building momentum for the flex office space there, you know, not least of which is extremely digitally savvy population that's developed a lot of skills to be able to work and collaborate in a decentralized format. So I think that India will continue to emerge and, and grow momentum as a, a leading market for flex office. Exactly. All the pat on the back to you for aggregating 15,000 spaces and creating that global pass. Yes, uh, I think you have a little consumer model or consumer phase. We are more B2B. Like you are a horizontal spread. We are a depth model where we want to penetrate the region and be a transactional online brokerage come aggregation models. So a lot of people call us hybrid. A certain mm -hmm. part of the business is absolutely automated. Like if you're looking at a hot desking or a short-term booking, meeting room, training rooms, booking up to you know days and couple of months, that can be done online. But if you're looking at a slightly longer stay, uh, a larger deal size or an enterprise, then it has a a strong brokerage element. So a lot of ways we can complement. Well so, said, that's exactly how I see it as well, Paris. Great. So now everybody's favorite question. I'm no different. COVID-19, its impact on your business. What are the key learnings? And finally, future. What do we learn from this and how the future is going to be different from what it used to be in February, March? Very important question and very important to also be looking forward because if we get stuck in today it can feel very challenging but like everybody in the industry Paris you know we're having difficulties from COVID I don't think anyone's escaped that from operators to service providers unless of course you're selling hand sanitizer to workspaces you're probably doing okay but what I always tell people when people ask about COVID I say that you know, as destructive and horrific as COVID has been in so many ways, the aftermath of COVID will, will really just be an accelerated timetable of what was already happening in the world and in co-working. Things around the world are already going online. Work conditions were already becoming more flexible. People already shifting towards ordering food online for delivery. All these things were already happening. But COVID is probably going to accelerate that all somewhere in the, in the five to 10 year range when it's all done. And fingers crossed, we get a vaccine soon so things can 
really return to normal. So in, in co-working, everyone has experienced hardship, but I think ultimately if everyone can survive this downturn, what we'll experience on the back end of this and in the wake of COVID is that we'll see demand that probably wouldn't be there until 2025 or beyond. And we'll see that as soon as, as everything clears or we get a vaccine, we'll have this, this rush of demand. And what we're seeing at Coworker and our data and in the inquiries is we're seeing a, a, a shift much more towards corporate demand, which is, is what you'd expect. You have a lot of these companies around the world that are now adopting remote first uh, po workforce policies such as Facebook and Twitter, et cetera. So a lot of that money will be that they're saving on reducing headquarter cost uh, and possibly even employee salaries by allowing them to work remotely. They're going to reinvest to their employees' productivity and a lot of that money will flow into flexible workspace. Yes. You know, we've been interacting with a lot of enterprises, small, medium, and large, and multinationals, I see this phenomena of one-third, 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 which is 30% of one head office. That head office now becomes a strategic corporate office. From 100,000 square feet, it becomes like 30,000, where you have data-sensitive senior key leadership team. And then it is supported by multiple spokes. Now, that spokes could be a private managed office or it could be an uh, office within a co-working space, uh, either multi-city or multi-micro-market. And then the final dotted line towards uh, remote working or working from home. Now, this working from home, Sam, what's your take on that? Because, you know, we thought it's a temporary. It's going to be a couple of months, three months, and then we'll be back in shape, back to the world we were in but it seems to be a prolonged phenomena. And a lot of companies decided that, okay, till December, November, or whatever, some are saying permanently, they're gonna have people working from home. Do you think it really works? Working from home was one of the reasons that I wanted to build coworker.com. Uh, I had worked from home for multiple years. And when I went into the first co-working space, the light bulb in my head went off and said, this is, this is where I want to be each day going forward. So I think there's this honeymoon period, Paris, where when you first start working from home compared to a big corporate job, it feels amazing. You're in love with it. The freedom, the flexibility, you can roll out of bed and be on a computer with no distractions. But whether it's a month or a year or two years, eventually that romance of working from home wears off for most people, not everybody, but most people, uh, including myself. And you want to get out and you need that community feel. You need a productive workspace. Uh, people want to divide their, their life and their work uh, into two separate things and not, not try to blur the lines. So I think what you will have is absolutely, you'll have a lot of companies now that for the very first time, they're, they're experiencing and adopting remote workforce. And you have to remember, a lot of these companies have never used a tool like Slack or Messenger or Zoom. There's a lot of companies that are very old school that have never even experimented with this. So it's a big learning curve. But what you'll, a lot of them will find is that they actually are able to keep things together and keep their employees happier and as or more productive. And that's when the light bulb will go off for these companies, as we're already seeing with, say, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Square, 
they're already saying, you know, we're, things are going well, our employees love this. And we are actually able to recruit more talent globally and retain better talent globally by letting people work remotely. Now they're, they're saying work home from home right now, but really it's, it's work remotely. And remote work will ultimately flow and help drive co-working and co-worker to the next level. Um, so I do agree that there will be right now in the U.S., 98% of people are working from home. It's insane. So there will be a portion of those, to your point, Paris, that will continue to work from home uh, permanently. But there will also be a, a large chunk of that that ends up in flexible workspace, which is just like myself. Absolutely. Since we are in flex space, it's not because we are in flex space, so we're going to save this. Uh, I feel flex is going to be the office, the main office, a large part of the portfolio for corporates. Do you agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you save tens of thousands, hundred thousands dollars in, in reducing your headquarter cost. You reinvest that into employee productivity, and a lot of that will flow into to flexible workspace, either by allowing remote team to have access to desks whenever they want through memberships or a, a pass like global pass or allowing team to just decentralize and into smaller private offices maybe around a single market or around a, a you know a country or even around the globe but in any event it will still be reduced cost for the company as a whole and and most likely improve company retention and employee productivity plus uh, zero capex no need to write off CapEx on your balance sheet now. Everything is as per business performance. I think it's time for businesses to be flexible, not just be in flexible space. Uh, they should re-strategize the office space as per the business growth. And you're reducing risk of, of your staff as well, your human capital. If God forbid another COVID breaks out of, of some sort. Decentralizing your staff is, is some way to protect your human capital as well. Yeah. Sam, you really fancy uh, startups and products. What do you think is one mistake a lot of founders or product managers do and they are still doing it? Well, I think when it comes to product, a lot of creators and founders want to create something that is identical to their vision. Uh, and what you often find is that what you're creating, you are not the perfect example of your target market. And so it's really important to not obsess about the detail in a product launch when really you need to get the product out there to your target market and be soliciting feedback and build it off your target market's input and feedback versus what your original vision is for a product. And I'll give you an example of that. <laughs> for instance, I, my previous company was an electronic cigarette company in Britain back in 2009, but I had never smoked a tobacco cigarette in my life. So I had this vision of how I wanted to create this product to be extremely technologically savvy and advanced and modern looking, but I wasn't my target market. British people that were smoking cigarettes were. So I would say I over obsessed about the details of getting the product right before I got it to market. And mm. once we got it to market, we completely reconfigured and redesigned the product based on feedback. So I probably could have saved three to five months uh, by getting the product out there and, and just working off the feedback and making continuous improvements. So I think too many people really focus on their original vision, which is important, but 
product market fit is more important. No, I would, uh, you know, totally agree on this. In fact, you know, every founder, every product manager wants to come out with iPhone version 100 uh, straight away. <laughs> and uh, the idea is that, you know, uh, just be agile, just come out with it. There's a lot of learning post launch. And, you know, once you become too obsessed with, you know, I've done the best product possible. And then when you get a market feedback, which is they don't want it, it's too expensive. They're not understanding the value proposition. Then you get really depressed and then you can't. <laughs> so the best thing would be just go out in the market with, you know, 70, 80% ready, get the feedback and then complete your product. And it's, it's always evolving. I mean, every year we are learning something. We are still developing our CRM. We are still working on our front end and back end. And we are in our, you know, fifth year. I mean, we'll be five this year. So we have completed four yeah. years. So still, still developing. Love it. And I'll put in the calendar to remind myself to uh, send you guys a cake. Oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> so moving to slightly personal and towards the last leg of the discussion, one ritual you follow every day. I'm talking about more on the cognitive or behavioral kind of uh, ritual. Well, it's funny you mentioned cognitive behavioral ritual because this is something that I've actually adopted fairly recently. And it's, of course, something that was pioneered primarily by Indian culture. But I think it's particularly important today. It's, we all know the world is increasing in speed and there's endless stimulus flying in at us from all angles. And we seem to be tied to this digital leash uh, that's called a cell phone. But one thing I found really important, uh, especially as a founder, is to, to be mindful and to disconnect and reconnect every day. And that can be five minutes in the morning or before you go to sleep or even in the middle of the day, or best, all three, but you can change the course of your day at any point just by clearing your mind and resetting. And I think it's going to be really important, Paris, for the future generation and ours to make sure that we control our thoughts and always take time to reset because there's a lot of stresses as a founder and the world is growing in population still and speed, and we're all going to have to learn to be able to reset our minds and be mindful. And I think that'll make a better, you'll make a better founder by doing that. You'll make a better friend, better, better family member, and probably create a better world if everyone would do that five minutes a day. I've been doing this for three years now. And I agree with you. It's not that how you start your day, it's going to be like that throughout. It could be tricks and, you know, there could be some moments where you can, you know, again, get that energy back. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am a big, big uh, believer of optimism and positive thinking. Uh, you know, some external forces do affect, but I think you can still maneuver and get back to the right original energy. And what's your, what's your practice there? Are you, are you meditating each day or doing yoga or something else? I have a fitness routine, which is important. I have to walk, you know, five kilometers a day. And what I do is like, you know, I divide that session of 45 minutes, 50 minutes into, you know, half into a podcast or some, some content, uh, which is mm -hmm. on the positive side or spiritual. And then the half would be, you know, really pepped up uh, music. And before sleeping five, 10 minutes, I've subscribed to some app where they give uh, affirmation, which are more relatable not the generic. Mm. So that's what I, do. I like it. Wow. Five, a 5k walk a day is I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Hope you have some good walking shoes. Yeah. <laughs> My wife gifted me this time. So I have to say they are the best in the world right now. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good husband. <laughs> you know, if you have to define uh, yourself in one word, probably curious, or maybe a, a better way to say that would be a student. Uh, and I, I really try to dissect just about everything in life and stay curious as possible and ask a lot of questions whenever I have the opportunity to learn. I'd be interested how you describe yourself in one word, Paris. Positive. I like that. How about a little uh, rapid fire before we conclude? Sure. Anything you want to know without me giving away all the secrets, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft or Apple? I think Apple historically has been a much more innovative company, but I believe Microsoft has built an incredibly successful business off little innovation. And I feel that, that there's something certainly to be said there. Great. And one word on the world after Corona. Flexible. Yes. Great. I think we have been talking of shared economy in the last three, four years. This pandemic will create or, you know, there would be a big, powerful emergence of flex economy, I would say. Flex economy. That's well said. I haven't actually thought of that term before, but I like it. And I think both of our companies should start talking about it more and get that term out there. But I do think that, you know, I hope everyone listening to this is okay, healthy, staying safe. Obviously don't want to make light of, of COVID or at any way point it as a beneficiary thing to the world. Cause I know there's been a lot of death and destruction and hardship from it, but I do think we come out of this in a, in a better world, uh, a more flexible world, better working conditions and um, accelerated timetables on a lot of the driving forces in the world that were already happening uh, and now will we'll come to be in uh, a quicker time frame. And I do think that everyone in the flexible office industry will benefit from this long term. You can just, just hold tight and, and bear through uh, the worst of it. Great, Sam. That was a very nice closing note. Uh, thank you so much, Sam, for giving us time and sharing your professional and personal thoughts on the overall situation and going forward. Likewise, Paris. We appreciate you guys at QDAS for being good partners and good friends. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Mm -hmm.